Welcome to the Boom Boom Performance Podcast, your resource for science-based training and nutrition, data-driven coaching, and education-focused content. Before we get into this podcast, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to listen and learn with me so that you can apply what you are about to learn, take my strategies, use these tools, and finally have some serious methods to see sustainable success with your physique, your mind, and your life. This podcast was built on the foundation of applied education, and I'm excited for you to be here so you can have that experience with me. Now, without any further ado, let's get on to the show. All right, welcome back. Another uh, Q&A question podcast today. Uh, Somewhat. What is that? Said somewhat. Yeah, we're just doing a question today. So let's get into it. We got a question from Heather Hillier. What's your take on all in that I have been seeing women take part in? Made popular by Stephanie Buttermore. So this is actually uh, the second mention of her. Actually, now I think about it, I think we mentioned her on the last podcast um, because this was in the list. Of, we're getting a lot of good questions. Like, yeah. Like when I opened the Google Doc, I was like, holy shit, there's a lot of questions here. In depth. Which is good because then we can like – this is going to – we're going to be able to have three podcasts off one Q&A list, which is great. Um, but we talked about her in the last one too and, and this is uh, – she's a YouTuber. I don't know if she coaches people. Stephanie. Stephanie. Yeah. Um, she's a YouTuber. She's like a fitness influencer. She's a girlfriend of Jeff Nippard who is another YouTuber and influencer. Um, and like her whole thing here is so so – from what I was understanding, I, I watched it briefly, and she got amenorrhea, which is basically the loss of your period, your menstrual cycle as a female, usually comes from dieting or physiological stress. Yeah. So if you're under too much stress, if you're sick, if um, usually it happens to physique athletes and people who are dieting chronically, their body is just under so much stress that when you put your body to this point, it kind of just starts slashing physiological processes. Gotcha. Uh, growing your hair, not important. Nails growing, not important. Healing cuts, not important. Menstrual cycle, apparently, not important. Um, it is, but like if we look at survival, it's like, okay, I only have so much energy and mm-hmm. I'm losing body fat at a rapid rate um, and they're chronically doing this. So I'm never coming out of a diet. What should I do as the body? Like I'm speaking as the body. Yeah. Physiologically, the body's like, okay, what processes are taxing like energy-wise? Like what processes take energy? Well, the menstrual cycle takes energy to go through. So stop having that. Hair takes energy to regrow. Stop that. Nails, skin from healing cuts, um, your metabolism, all these different things, building muscle. Affect your immune system. Immune system, sex drive, testosterone. All these processes take energy, energy as in calories. And as we go into these diets, our body will start eliminating these processes so that we can survive because we have less calories. So that's why like when you're doing a competition prep and stuff like that, it's, it sounds crazy for some people, but it's very typical to lose your period and have amenorrhea during a, a contest prep. But usually bikini athletes know that going into it um, because they're trying to get shredded and it's for a competition. It's like it's like an NFL player going in and saying like, hey, you might get a concussion. Fully aware. Like that's part of my – like what I'm doing, right? Um, in, in the sport of bodybuilding and bikini, that's how – like for women, that's what it's like. For men, hey, your testosterone is going to tank. Yep, I know. I'm getting shredded and I'm getting on stage. It's just part of it. Yeah. Um, the problem with this is is that 
a lot of women who are just trying to lose weight or just trying to get cut or just trying to start training in the gym, they put their bodies through an extreme amount of stress just trying to lose weight and not doing it properly or periodizing it. And they get amenorrhea. They get these different things. And they come – we've had countless clients that come to us and they're like, oh, like my goals, you know, like long-term I want to lose weight. I want to build my metabolism, so on and so forth. I really love to get my period back. And I'm like, wait, you lost your period? Yeah. I'm like, have you competed? No. Have you done photo shoot? No. Like there's no reason to go that far if you're a gen pop client just yeah. trying to lose weight. Um, and, and I would say that the advanced gen pop client, because I'm even technically I'm a gen pop. I mean, I'm you're advanced. Not I'm not competing in yeah. anything, but I do take things to the extreme. So I would mm -hmm. say like advanced gen pop, like I've done photo shoots and stuff like that. If I was a female in my situation, I would understand amenorrhea coming around more likely because uh, a female in my position in the fitness space who wants to do photo shoots and wants to get shredded every once in a while, it's going to happen. We don't need to step on stage for that. Um, so in some scenarios, it's acceptable, but it's only acceptable for a short amount of time. And that's why we have to implement diet breaks. We have to implement refeeds. We have to implement maintenance phases to avoid staying in that uh, that negative space. Yeah. Um, so what Stephanie Buttermore is doing, going back to this, is she has been put into this position. Um, granted, I don't know a ton about her. Um, I watched her for the first time ever in my life yesterday when I looked at this question because somebody sent me her video talking about oh, what yeah. All In was. So I watched it before I answered this question and kind of get a gist of it. I've seen her on Jeff Nipper's channel yeah, same um, here, yeah. and I've heard him talk about this because he, he, he like mentioned she was going through a bulking phase and I didn't realize the purpose behind it. Uh, but essentially what she's doing is she's eating a minimum of 2,500 calories a day, uh, but she's not going to stop there if she's still hungry. So from my understanding, she's basically going to eat until she is stuffed, like completely full. Um, she's going to purposely gain weight. Um, she's very naturally lean. She's been lean, and I think she's like purposely dieted to stay extremely lean for a long period of time because she's an influencer. Which I, re I actually really respect what she said in the video. It was just her sitting on a couch explaining. She had a meeting with a doctor, um, and the doctor basically told her like, "This is from chronic dieting, um, and a reverse diet is not going to work for you. A reverse diet is something that we do in a slow process." And I talk about this all the time, where it's like we're in this state. This 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 female is in the state of amenorrhea, physiological. Uh, down regulation essentially not it's dysfunctional from dieting and we want to stay lean so we reverse diet okay well what's that process look like let's say they diet down to 1200 1300 calories to get that lean their maintenance is at 1800 so now they go from 1300 to 1350 to 1400 to 1500 to 1550 to 60 like 50 to 100 calorie increments right really slow right but they yeah. stay really lean the problem with that is is it's kind of a double-edged sword in that process you're moving so slow two things are happening. All those adjustments take months to happen until you get to that 1800 calorie, which is your maintenance, quote unquote. Um, and that means that you have months extra, you're in a deficit. Most people think, oh, I'm reverse dieting now. I'm getting out of my deficit. It doesn't mean you're out of the deficit. You're still in a deficit because you were at 1300. And when you go to 1400, you're still eating low calories. You're not at your maintenance yet. Yeah. So that's another two weeks of a deficit and then another two weeks and then another two weeks, um, which is why a recovery diet would be from like, okay, you got to your goal at 1300. Let's bounce to 1800 right away. You're going to gain a few pounds, but guess what? That's three months that you're not going to be in a deficit faster. Um, way healthier for your body. Um, a reverse diet does that. And then the other part of that is is if you do it successfully and your body responds well, technically, your metabolism will adapt. So you stay lean while increasing those calories. But the problem with that is, is, is your metabolism, your hormones, this factor of amenorrhea, those things happen because not only of low calories but also of low body fat. 
So now you've built your calories up, but you've stayed super lean. Well, guess what? You're still going to have those hormonal problems. So now women reverse diet from 1300 all the way to 1800. And they're like, why have I still not got my period? Because you didn't recover. You reverse dieted too yeah. slowly and you successfully stayed lean, but you also, also successfully um, kept your hormonal system depressed. Um, so she was kind of explaining that the doctor and her went over this, um, which I would 100% agree with. So she needs like a aggressive recovery diet. And I think she's in an extreme situation because she's very lean. She's been dieting for a long time and she's been there for a really long time. It's different if somebody comes to me and they're like, I did an eight-week cut and got shredded and I need to get out of this because I lost my period or whatever. And usually that's not going to happen in eight weeks, but even 12 weeks or 16 weeks. When she's talking about like, oh, I've been doing this off and on for two or three years of like staying very lean and dieting on and off to stay lean for YouTube and stuff like that. Um, it's a much more serious case. So for her, it's like we're bumping the calories way the fuck up. And 2,500 is a lot for her. She's a small, you've seen her. She's yeah. pretty tiny. Um, I got to imagine she's probably less than 130 pounds for sure. And she's probably pretty short. So that's a lot of calories as it is, but some days she might even go up to 3000. She said, and it's basically like, I'm, I'm doing this. I'm purposely gaining weight and I'm staying here for a long period of time. I want to say like at least six months, she's staying up there. So I respected her for it because she's like, I'm going to get uncomfortable. And, and she almost looked like she got emotional because she said, she's like, I've built my life being a lean influencer trying to help people. And I do help people, but I'm, I fear in the back of my mind that me gaining weight is going to make you guys not want to follow me or watch my stuff because I won't be, um, I don't know if she said as attractive or as lean or appealing or aesthetically, uh, visually appealing, whatever it may be. But I thought that was really cool, super vulnerable about it. Um, and I got to imagine it's working to her favor because she's speaking to a completely different audience yep. now. Yep. Um, but they were kind of saying like, what do I think about this? This all in. Yeah. And I think it's fucking great. I yeah. mean, she basically like the doctor calls it all in because it's like, you're going all in on you, your health, your physiology, um, all in with calories, like stack them up. Mm -hmm. I think it's absolutely great. I think the problem with it is, is, is not enough women commit to this. And we even talked about this on the podcast that we just did with Dr. Mel Davis, the psychology of dieting and how women really need lean bulking phases and, and maintenance phases because too many women stay in these low calorie diets and they don't give themselves enough time bringing back up to maintenance where they can just go all in, get your period back, get your metabolism back, fuel your body. Um, and the other thing with this too is like if she's taking, let's say, a year to bring the calories up, yeah, she's going to gain a little weight um, and she's going to be healthier. She's probably going to perform better in the gym, so she's going to build muscle, but she's not going to be super lean for a full year, which is hard for women to do. But during that time, that's enough time to actually see the fruition of what people think a reverse diet does. And what I mean by that is a lot of people think when you reverse diet, you build your metabolism up, right? We add calories and now our caloric ceiling's higher. We can stay leaner on a higher caloric set point because we built our maintenance up. In theory, you are doing that, but I think in practicality, I don't think you're staying at that maintenance for long enough because a lot of people will slowly reverse up and now they're at a higher caloric set point and then like, okay, I built my calories up. Let's cut again because I've been reverse dieting for four months. I'm ready to get lean. And it's like, no, reverse or recovery diet, build up your calories and stay there for six months to a year. That's like hard for people to do. Absolutely. Um, and that's what she's doing and, and it's uncomfortable, but that's enough time to actually build your metabolism. And I don't think there's enough research to, to prove that, but I also don't think there's, I mean, actually I know there, there hasn't been a single study done on reverse dieting ever. It's just all coaching theory and context. So an anecdote, but I think if we could actually, cause I've had case studies with this too, where like I've had women come to me and I do a recovery diet right away build their calories up, set up their macros better, get them on a good training program, get them sleeping better. And then they just stay there. And I'm like, Hey, we're going to stay here for six months. And they actually commit to staying there and not losing weight. 
And we can diet on higher calories. We can say that we built our metabolism, but it took six months of staying up there and being uncomfortable um, in order to do that. For sure. So Man, it takes a lot of patience too. A ton of patience. Holy and it kind of goes back to what we were talking about on the podcast we recorded yesterday of like, you're almost like trying to go nowhere. Cause like, it's, it's like maintenance, yeah. right? It's like staying the same way, staying the same way, staying. Yeah. So like, what am I after? Yeah. Right. And that's why you have to, emo- you have to attach yourself to other things. Like a lot of discipline, a lot, a ton yeah. of discipline. Yeah. And you have to like, so she's probably looking at, all right, what's my squat PR What's my deadlift PR. How many hours of sleep am I getting? What are my biofeedback markers that allow me to say like, okay, I'm improving. Like, no, I'm not losing weight. I'm not getting leaner, but something is changing. For sure. If you don't see some kind of number progressing over time, you feel like you're not doing anything at all. Um, which is why you can't only focus on the scale. Um, and the reason I wanted to talk about this because I had two other questions too, that were just basically like, here's my story. And the story was, I'm a mom. One of them was like, I'm a mom of two or three kids. I can't remember. I have a full-time job. Um, uh, I train when I can, I don't get enough sleep because one of my kids doesn't sleep. Like basically and like husband trains. Yeah. And it's basically like stress, 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 stress. How would you train me? Yeah. And then like the other one was basically like, uh, literally was how does stress, uh, affect physical, uh, results and what do you do about it? Like that was literally the question, which I think ties in everything we're talking yeah. about. So that's another podcast. Yeah. And, and when I actually wanted to kind of go into some of them today, but I think like, so first, the, the question about going all in with Stephanie Buttermore, she, I think, is doing the right thing, and I, and I commend her for doing it publicly and sharing that because she has a huge audience. I don't know how many YouTube subscribers she has and everything, but I know she has a big audience, and she's really well-known. So for her to come out on like a loudspeaker and tell everybody, like, hey, this is what I'm doing, and this is why I think it's really, really cool because it's, it's echoes what we talk about a lot. Um, and don't get me wrong. I want to help people get as lean as possible. Cause I know how good it feels to get lean and everything. But at the same time, I also want people to understand like the long-term sacrifices you make from getting shredded or staying in a diet for too long. So what she's doing is basically, um, and a, a very aggressive approach to reverse dieting, which is a recovery diet. When you build your calories up right away and you stay up there for a long period of time at maintenance or slightly above in a, in a small surplus, Um, And she's purposely staying there to gain some body fat, um, to build her metabolism and just focus on performance and health. And I think that's something that everybody should really do. Um, Even if you don't, if you do it properly over time, you don't have to go to that extreme. Like I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm in that phase right now, but I'm not in a phase where I need to do it so aggressively that I gain a bunch of weight. Um, I haven't gained any body fat in the process, but I'm eating more food. I'm focused more performance. I'm focusing on health and sleep and and stress management. I'm not focusing on, on getting shredded or anything. And I'm going to stay here for a while, but because I've periodized my diet and my training so well over the last few years, I don't have to go to extremes. Like I yeah. did that cut for the photo shoot recovery diet. I'm out of it. And now it's just like, I'm just going to chill here for a while. So, uh, especially with women, I'm not, but just with women that when they do that severely and then they see the negative side effects, how do you monitor or realize or know when it's gone too far? Yeah. Before one of those negative effects happens. That's the hardest part. I That's think, a coach. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the hardest part because I think like two things. So like from the, the client's perspective, they I wanna, hate – I want to keep going. Well, they want to keep – I think like I, I don't want to say the same answer over and over again with like biofeedback, biofeedback, uh, biofeedback. Yeah, well, but I think for the client, that really is the answer because for them, it, it's a matter of you have to record it, – it's like Paul, uh, Paul Klingen, uh, one of my clients, posted a good thing today. Um, and he was basically like, I've been wanting to build strength for a long time. And so I asked Cody to help me, uh, with my programming. And he asked me like what my, my, my max are. And I said, I don't know. And he told me like, I can't, 
I can't guarantee a PR if you don't show me metrics kind of thing, right? Like he wasn't tracking any strength progressions. So how are we supposed to determine, you know, what's your capability and mm -hmm. what are you training for? You have no idea. And the same thing goes with this. Like, okay, I want to avoid amenorrhea and I want to do this right. Okay, well, are you tracking sleep? No. Are you tracking sex drive? No. Are you tracking your cycle? No. Are you tracking your weight, your stress, your mood? No, no, no. It's like, well, then how are we supposed to avoid it? So for me, like, and this is for, as a man, this is how I uh, determine when I take deloads and when I like uh, give myself refeeds is, okay, I mark on a scale of one to five. How was my uh, performance? How is my recovery today? So performance yesterday, recovery today, stress on a scale of one to five, um, and then mood on a scale of one to five, and then motivation on a scale of one to five. All of those are neurological components that determine how your central nervous system is doing. Your central nervous system is going to be uh, is going to adapt negatively or positively depending on what you're doing in your life with stress. So for a female, if I see stress, sleep quality, mood, and motivation are, are going from fives all the way down to twos and ones, then I know physiologically and psychologically she's declining. Yeah. That's like the precursor for these issues to happen. So what I do is I watch those numbers, and as I see them go from a five to a four to a three, and then I'm like, okay, we're going to take a diet break before they get to a two. They might get to a two, but then I refuel for a few days, and then they're back up to a five. Because we got to remember too, like – Adaptation occurs from stresses placed on the body. So an adaptation that most women want is fat loss, right? That happens from stress. Yeah. Stress as in cortisol goes up, sympathetic nervous system goes up. You can train hard because of those two things. Those are fight or flight hormones. Now you're training hard. You're burning calories. You're building muscle. Your body is under stress. And then it adapts and recovers and it builds muscle and burns fat from that process. But as stress climbs up and your recovery goes with it, at a certain point, your recovery starts to dip down and your stress keeps going up. And that's yeah. when you go, okay, double down on recovery, stop the stress. Hey, deload training, give yourself a diet break, take a day off from the gym. Now we reset, we have recovery way up here, and then we start stressing the body again to create those adaptations. Most people don't track yeah. mood, motivation, Continuously sleep. monitoring. No, they don't monitor that shit. Um, and people will say, oh, it's tedious. It's not. I, I literally wake up every morning, I have a Google Sheet. I use the same one my clients use. And I type in, on a scale of one to five, how motivated am I to crush the day? Scale of one to five. If it's not a five, then neurologically, my body is starting to be stressed out. I'll accept a three every once in a while, I'll accept a four, but I want fives. Um, how is your recovery? If you're sore as fuck all the time, you're doing too much. Maybe week one of a new program, you can be pretty damn sore. But week two, it should linger away. Week three, you should not be like dying soreness. You should adapt to the, the process. So every every four weeks or so, you get that novelty stimulus. Maybe your training continues. Yeah. You, you add in, when we got this gym, I, my hamstrings were murdered for like a full week because I hadn't done a glute ham raise in so long. And I got the glute ham raise. I did it and it just destroyed me. But then after a couple weeks of doing it, I'm totally fine. If, if a couple weeks went by and I'm still dying from soreness, I'm either not fueling enough, I'm not sleeping enough, or I'm training with too much volume. Um, and all those things add to the stress. And then for, for me, they limit testosterone production, cortisol, so on and so forth. For women, it's going to affect the, the menstrual cycle. And that's when we start having physiological issues. But every morning, again, scale of one to five, mood, motivation, stress, um, and body fatigue. And then how many hours of sleep did I get? Body fatigue is the same thing as recovery. Yeah, I, I use body fatigue instead. So it's kind of like, okay, how did my muscles feel? How does everything feel? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then and then asking yourself why. So like, for example, on Monday, um, super motivated, super low stress, great quality sleep, sore as fuck. So I have to look at those and go, okay, am I in a shitty position or overstressed position because of that soreness? But everything else looked great. 
why am I super sore? Well, I went skateboarding. I haven't skateboarded in years and my hip flexors, my hamstring, everything was killing me. Had nothing to do with me being overtrained or anything. I just hadn't done skateboarding in a long time. Um, same thing with you. Like yeah. you, we added some new movements in your exercise. You're going to be sore as hell, but it's, but if, if we're like, Oh, stress is fine. Sleep is fine. Like you're good. So tracking those things kind of give you, gives you indicators of how to avoid that from occurring. And if they're chronically that way, you probably shouldn't even be dieting. Um, so that's the best way to avoid those things. And as a coach, I really just have to bet on the honesty of the client because if they wake up and they're like, Oh, I'm not stressed. Uh, I have no fatigue because they know if they put, they are, I'm not going to give them uh, like the, the right to train hard. I'm going to say, Hey, you need to deload. Cause I see that. Yeah. Um, so I have to have that conversation at the beginning. Like, Hey, and this is why coaching education is Don't so lie important. To yourself. Don't lie to yourself because <clears throat> if you lie to yourself and you lie to me, then I can't provide the results you want to get. You know what I mean? So, and I think that's, that's the thing with education based coaching is like at the beginning, I have to say like this, this functions on honesty and, but this is why, because if you're honest with me, I can see these data points. And if I see these data points, we can progress week after week after week. But if you lie to me, we can only progress for a few weeks and then we're going to hit a hard plateau. And I'm not going to know why, because you lied. Yeah. Right. Um, so that's the best way to avoid it. Now, when we talk about like recovering from it, I think it just depends on the duration uh, that somebody put themselves in and what their long-term goals are. So somebody like Stephanie Buttermore, I think is an easy example. She had a long duration of it. Therefore, the longer she was in a diet, the longer she was treating her body like that, the longer she has to go into a maintenance or this yeah. all-in phase. Um, the shorter, the less, right? So for me, like I did that photo shoot, um, I probably took honestly like 12 to 14 weeks to really like aggressively cut. Um, which isn't a terribly long time. So I could be pretty quick with my reverse diet, get up and I feel fine. Like it's no, no issue at all. Um, but if I were to like bring my calories up, spend a month at maintenance, then do it again. That's, I don't even count do that. Do it again. Sorry. Do the cut again. Okay. 12 okay. week cut yep, again. Yep. It's just going to make the physiological toll on my body that much worse. Yeah. And that's where a lot of the issues are with people like hers. Like they did it time and time again. It's like, Oh, I have a photo shoot coming up. Okay. I'm going to take a break for a couple weeks and then I have this other gig coming up or I got to make this appearance. You say or, going back and forth consistently all the time all the and, time, and yeah. that's going to create more and more stress on your body for sure um so i think the duration thing's a big factor um i also think how aggressive you were um is a big factor too um was it a gradual conservative cut or was it like a really harsh aggressive cut um did you take diet breaks along the way or did you not that's a huge one because every time you take a solid two to five days of at maintenance this, these diet breaks we always talk about you're basically putting the pause button on these negative adaptations so you're dieting and it is hurting your body but then you give it a break and then you do it, diet again, you give it a break. So by the time you get to your end goal, you're in a better place than you would have been if you didn't, because you had all those pauses along the way that's dampened that negative effect on your body. For sure. um, so that plays a big role too. If you don't take those, you're going to be in an even shittier position. And then I think the long-term goals is a big advantage too, or a big, big indicator as well. Uh, Stephanie Buttermore is not going anywhere. She's into fitness clearly. So for her, it's, it's like, Hey, if I need to spend six months to a year doing this, getting uncomfortable, but I'm going to build more muscle, have better performance, increase my metabolism so I can restart and do this right and stay lean for life. And it's a no brainer and eliminate those other negative side effects. Exactly. Eliminate all these symptoms that she's having yeah. and then get leaner for longer, easier in the future. It's a no brainer. And I think that's where a lot of people have to like go into this, where we're so focused on like, it's, it's, then of January right now, um, if you're listening to this and you're not preparing for summer and you want to be lean for summer, click the button in our description, hire us for coaching straight up, like, like shameless plug call to action. But the reality is, is if you're not preparing now, good luck, right? Like, and I think people need to grasp onto that. Like I remember doing, so I did my photo shoot in the beginning of September and I was thinking about next summer because 
that's how my brain works. And because I'm like, okay, well, if I stop this now, maintenance, reverse diet slash lean gain for X amount of months, I'll be in such a good place to cut again for summer. And I'll actually probably gain a couple pounds of muscle. But because of that, like I'm never in these shitty positions where like it's hard to get lean yeah. or it's uh, like, it's such a big stress or my body hurts. It's like, no, I'm always pretty healthy because it's easier for me to tap back into it yeah. because I take care of my body, but it's only because I think long-term people buy eight to 12 week coaching programs. And they're like, let's sprint to this. I'm going to, I'm going to hire you in March because I know that gives me three months before July. And it's like, come on, like do this in January so you can get lean by March and then maintain into the summer on your own or have a coach that'll actually hold you accountable throughout the whole entire process. But the point being is you have to think big term. So Stephanie obviously does a good job with that, but I think a lot of gen pop who aren't in the industry don't because they don't have to. Yeah. It's kind of, it's not their job. Like, and I will say like, it is my job. So it, it, it makes more sense for me to need, uh, or, or have that desire to think long term. Um, I mean, that just says, that just says like the clients you work with are the ones that actually want to do it because if someone's coming to you in March for a June result, they don't really want to be dead serious about it or they just want to do it for two or three months. And I think that's like why one of our biggest messages messages inside of coaching is like this, <sighs> this, this push to educate them so much is because and this is what, this is why we do content, right? Like people come to us and they're already in the mindset of like either a, I read your content. I read your blog, listen to your podcast. I understand now this is a long-term thing. Even if exactly. I'm not with you for a year, I need to think of a year for because sure. you need to set me up to be successful for the year. And that's what we do. Um, or B I went to blank company, got fast results, fell off, gained weight. What the fuck happened? Might've done it twice, three My, times. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, okay, well let me show you a better way. Um, and I need you to commit to longer than eight weeks or 12 weeks. Right. Um, and sometimes it's even 12 weeks, but that's at least commit yourself. Cause we take clients on for three months at a time, but yourself commit to yourself for six months to eight months, because then you can understand this big picture. Um, and then the third thing is like, it's a hard conversation at the beginning. Cause we still get people that will apply and they're like, Oh, I haven't really dug into a lot of your content, but you know, so-and-so worked with you and they got great results. And I'm like, okay, like I really got to educate this person on the phone. Like this is what you need to think about, right? This is why stress is happening in your body. And that's kind of like where I want to take the, the, um, this podcast is like, they just asked, like, I've had this, I've actually had this question more than once, but like, what are my thoughts on this all in thing? Cause she's been doing it for a while now. Oh, okay. Um, and I think it's great. And she's like vlogging the process. I think it's great. Like going back to the, the main question, I think it's great. I think more women, I don't think women all need to necessarily go all in. Cause I think like there's someone that don't need to go that hard. I think she needed to because she was in that physiological state. But I also think that most women can take a very, and even men can take a really good lesson from what she's doing and understand that there's periods of time where you have to pull off the, the, yeah. the throttle. Um, and, and like, if you really want to do it, like, like the old school bodybuilders, like bulk in the winter, cut in the summer, like do it. I mean, it hits like September. I mean, at least for us in, in uh, Seattle, I'm not taking off my shirt anytime soon. It's yeah. September. It's fucking cold. I'm wearing a sweater constantly bulk. Yep. Put yourself in maintenance, build some muscle, feel good, feel healthy, treat your body right. And then once it gets to the new year, start planning your cut. Once it's spring c cut, 
spend a few months there. Your cut will be so much more productive if you think this way. So I think the grand scheme thing is what I'm saying is I think it's very it's a very good lesson. I don't think everybody needs to go as hard as she is. Some people definitely do. Um, and I can think of a few podcast listeners that have sent in questions or clients that I've had in the past that I wish would have gone this far because they needed to and they didn't buy into that process. And I think there's a lot of women um, and men who can just see this concept and think maybe I don't need to go all in and eat double my calories, but I need to at least half add half of my calories back on top of it, right? Like one t- 1.5 times what I'm eating right now, spend some time at maintenance, be okay not being super lean or super light and spend some time just building your, your body from a health perspective. Um, so I'm all for it. I think it's great. Um, and as far as like, like the other side of this is like discussion is just the, the role that stress plays on your body um, and, and its limitation to uh, fat loss, I think is like something a lot of people need to really like focus on and dive into because, you know, lack of sleep, emotional stress from relationships, work stress, financial stress, it's all stress. Dude, it's all stress, yeah. And it just adds on to the pile of stress. And your nervous system basically just takes the hit from yep. this over and it's over again. Um, and there's no research to show any uh, – if there is any like true – CNS adaptation, like long-term kind of like metabolic adaptation. There are some studies to show that, but not with the CNS. However, I would beg to differ or, or I would throw out the idea that your CNS, your central nervous system probably does adapt over time to these amounts of stress and it kind of digs yourself into a hole. So the more stress you add to your plate, whether that be work, financial relationship, family, uh, training, dieting, all these different stresses, um, the more stress you pile on, I think the, the, the heavier that load's going to be and the harder it is going to, to going to be to kind of like stand up with that load. Right. So you need to unpack the load and, and really start removing these stresses and adding in things that are going to, uh, benefit your recovery to aid these, essentially these, these stresses, because as stress gets piled on, it really like what happens is a couple things, a, a hormonal cascade of events. I mean, Cortisol goes up. Cortisol is a stress hormone, which makes it even harder to recover from everything you do. Um, testosterone drops for men and women. Uh, but we can have dysfunction in thyroid, progesterone, um, pregnenolone, like all these different hormones and, and sex hormones specifically that have a direct effect on your thyroid and your metabolism, which are going to make dieting harder uh, for two reasons. A, from a physiological standpoint, your metabolism will – I hate saying slow down because I think that's a bad way to describe it – but your metabolic adaptation will occur and your body will stop burning as many calories. And that's what kind of makes this, this feel like your metabolism is slowing down. You're just like we talked about before. You're moving less. Yeah. You're expending less in your training. You're, you're, you're um, not able to eat as much. So your thermic effect of food goes down. Your body's ability to process nutrients goes down. So in a sense, your metabolism slows down a little bit yeah. from these hormonal events. The other thing with this is uh, muscle recovery slows down. Your body doesn't have the ability to recover from training as fast, uh, both neurologically and muscularly. Um, usually you have inflammation in the body, which your gut can take a hit, your joints can take a hit. Um, and then we're going to have psychological stress. The psychological stress is going to create, um, and this is actually what I was, I just interviewed, um, Dr. Stephen, uh, Stephen Guine, who wrote the hungry brain. And this is kind of like how our brain is wired to be fat basically. And these psychological stressors create cravings and they create hunger patterns that make you eat past your limit. So a lot of people don't realize, but they're overfeeding because of the psychological stress and that's creating a surplus and that's making it harder to lose weight. But what your body is not doing is making up for that surplus by moving more like it should because you have this wiring and this thermostat is all out of whack and your body fatness thermostat is what they call it. Um, And we can have issues there. So I think like, kind of 
encompassing this, the more stress you add, you're going to have a lot more hormonal and psychological issues that are going to create your body's inability to recover, inability to perform, um, inability to burn calories efficiently. And uh, mentally, you're going to have the issue of cravings and, and more hunger, and it's just going to put you in a surplus. Yeah. So there's a lot of bad things. These all happen purely from stress, whether it's stress from dieting, stress from poor nutrition, stress from too much training, stress from, again, emotional financial, all these different stresses. Um, and they kind of just pile on. So I think like at the end of the day, it does have a big effect. And, and one of the things that I can't necessarily prove on a podcast cause you can't see it, but like I, I've, I have trackers of data of clients where it's like not losing weight, not losing weight, not losing weight. They're clearly in a deficit. Everything's going right. Okay. I'm going to give you a, a week with a hundred extra grams, carbs, full refeed for a full seven days. Boom. They drop three pounds. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. I just put you in a surplus and you lost carbs. weight of carbs, um, calories in general though, but yeah. like you lost weight. Why is this happening? Uh, well, what's happening is a, you give them more calories. They can finally recover in lower stress levels. So some of that weight loss could be water because when stress hormones are high, water retention is higher. Um, the second thing could be when we increase those carbs, we spike insulin. Insulin has a inverse relationship with cortisol. Cortisol lowers. Cortisol is the stress hormone that puts more stress on all those hormones I was just talking about. So now we heal your body and you lose weight. And yeah. it's like, okay, two things with that. Should we put them back in a deficit? Or should we just keep them? Like I had one client that we, we cut for this Hawaii trip. She looked great. But she was like, I really want to get like just a little bit leaner. So we kind of pulled her out for a little bit. And then we went back into it. And she just wasn't budging. But it wasn't because the deficit wasn't working. It's because she was psychologically fatigued from the diet before. She couldn't stick to the macros. She was like having cheat meals on the weekend with her wife. Like it was just consistently having issues. So what did I do? I said, hey, you're going uh, on this. She's a, she's a golfer, like a really high-level golfer. I was like, you're going on this golf trip. You're playing a tournament. I want you to refeed throughout the whole process. You're going to be in, I think it was Scottsdale for like seven days. Gave her way more carbs. She played fantastic. She got back. I was like, hey, I want you to stay up there for a little bit. She lost a pound. I was like, just stay up there. And it's been weeks now. We just never brought her carbs back down. So she's quote unquote at maintenance, but now she's slowly losing weight again because she's performing better. She's moving more. She's adhering to the diet more. So sometimes it's like you do a diet break and it works that way. For sure. Just keep them at the diet break. That's their new fucking intake. Yeah. Um, and then for other individuals, it just that diet break and then pull back into deficit. Diet break, pull back in deficit is enough to alleviate that stress. But my point with explaining that right now is just that there's no research to show that. But I have a ton of anecdote and a ton of client experience. And I yeah. know a lot of coaches who have told stories like this too that – Or have experienced it themselves. Yeah, yeah. That works. Yeah. Like, it fucking works. Um, and I think that's like one of the biggest things is like you just need that. And I, and like, I'll use one more example too, is like, I had a guy that, um, he, he wasn't budgeting and I knew he was, uh, actually I have two guys that have gone through this one guy. I didn't know he was going to do this. And all of a sudden, like things just started working so fucking well. And I was like, what is going on? And he told me weeks later that he finally got TRT older gentleman. He's like 50 something. And he got testosterone replacement therapy. He's like, Oh, my doctor has been talking to me about it for years. And I just haven't done it. And I finally did it. And Dude, I feel so good. I'm, I'm performing great in the gym. He didn't get like massive, like it's not like steroids. He just replaced what was missing. Yeah. And uh, everything's just started responding better. So what happened? His testosterone was tanked from years of stress and poor living. And we did everything we could with training, nutrition, supplementation, and sleep naturally, but it wasn't enough. So once he had an external thing, which ended up being testosterone replacement, to heal the stress of his body and give him that hormone back, he lost weight. 
and he got sh- it was actually really cool he was like 50 he was, he was probably like 56 shredded like we got him shredded it was really cool um and then i have another guy who was on the fence for a long time too and he finally uh got in and did trt and uh i was able to raise calories and add more volume to his training as he did that and he feels better than ever and he's losing weight finally and it was just because his hormones were jacked up and i think he might have got more than just trt but he had a few things that were out of balance but again wh- how does that happen yeah. well stress i mean sometimes it's freak accidents like uh you can you can have a head trauma injury uh, damage of the hypothalamus that can cause issues with your pituitary gland and that can delay testosterone production if you get hit in the head and that happens like that has nothing to do with stress in your life it's like a traumatic stress to your brain um but there's other people who staring at screens and bright lights for a long time uh all day every day poor sleep which is a stress um just again, emotional or work stress, just constant psychological stress, um, overtraining. Like I know a lot of athletes that have like low T levels and high cortisol levels from just training too much, too often with dieting too much. But again, stress, 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 stress. It, it doesn't matter what kind of stress it is. If you're putting that much stress on your body, it's going to be that much more difficult to change your aesthetic look or your strength or anything like that. Period. Yeah. Dude, there's so many variables. It's kind you're of insane. Nuts. It's kind of insane. I think, and like the funny thing is I could probably, I, I realistically, I could like, if I had like my folder of clients, I could probably pull out, especially cause I save all past clients. So yeah. I have like case studies for years. Yeah. I could pull out so many situations where a here's proof we managed stress and it fixed it or B I didn't understand what was going on in their life. And now that I look back on it, it was too much stress yeah. and it was holding them back. Um, and I even have that in my own life. I've there's seen that. Set, there's 1700 ways to have stress. So how can you avoid it? Yeah, that's that's the million dollar question right there. <laughs> oh my god! So You're like, you do this, you do this, you do this. Okay, which so, one should we work on? Yeah, so like, okay, I'll use I'll use myself as an example. Um, our ring thing keeps telling me that intruders are in the office. But it's like, no, it's me. It's us. Um, so I'll use myself as an example. I was, um, I actually, I, I told you about this. Actually, dude, I was just on the phone with a doctor, um, talking about uh, different ways to help my hormones, just because I'm a nerd and I like diving into stuff. And, uh, cause I don't want to use TRT. Like I don't want to end up like when I'm 50 for sure. Yeah. No doubt in my mind I will. Cause why not? But right now I'm 27, which is young to have low T levels, but I do. And I had high cortisol, some, some issues that could potentially say that I had stress on my adrenals, which just means stress in general. Um, some DHEA lo- levels that were pretty low, but I'm looking at things and I'm like, okay, like what can I do to make this come up a little bit higher? Am I sleeping seven to eight hours a night? No five and a half, six. Okay. That's my first change. Sleep will have a bigger, uh, effect, positive effect on your hormonal, uh, balance in production than anything else you do. Food training, anything. And sleep is the most underutilized tool because it's fucking boring. (laughs) Get eight hours of sleep. You, you fall asleep. That's not cool. Like I'd rather take this ashwagandha herbal and drink this tea and like do these things. People want to add all these crazy things. This is free. Just fucking sleep. Yeah. Um, the second thing I would recommend is uh, blue light blocker glasses. Like it, there's so much blue light and this isn't like as big as sleep, but it's an easy one. Put some glasses on. What I do is every night. Um, link in the show notes. I will link in the show notes. Uh, Swannies, we interviewed James Swanwick. I don't get anything out of this, but I believe that you still get 15% off on if you buy some Swannies. And those are the blue light blockers that I use. Um, you get 15% off. On the glasses. He gave all the listeners for entering the code boom boom, I think, or boom for We'll, we'll put it in the show notes. I've got to see what it is. Um, but essentially, uh, I put them on at 7. Um, I used to put them on just – I always recommend people put them on when it's start, like when it's three to four hours before bed. 
Um, I put them on at 7, 7.30 just because that's when Blakely will sleep. She won't let me wear glasses. She thinks they're fucking hilarious. <laughs> she just tries to rip them off the face. But I use the clear blue light blockers when I'm working on my computer because um, those aren't as significant. They still allow some blue light, and you need some blue light to, to have – uh, cortisol levels up to be sympathetic and actually work and be productive. Uh, but at night we want to bring those down because if, if you don't block those blue lights, it tricks your eyes from not allowing the hormone melatonin to kick in. Melatonin kicks in and it allows you to actually fall asleep and stay asleep. Yeah. So blue light blockers at night is good. Um, you can also use like flux and those different things on your computer screens that actually like dims the blue lights on your, on your screen. Um, we have nightshade on your iPhone, same thing, but I would recommend the blue light blocker glasses. Um, if you really want to double down on like managing stress for women, dim D I M. I'm not going to try to pronounce how it, what it stands for, but go to examine.com slash dim. Um, you can learn about the supplement. It's good for some women who have issues, uh, with different hormones. Um, ashwagandha works for everybody. It's a natural herb that helps with stress management. Um, again, this isn't something you take a pill and Everything's fine, but like yeah. it adds to it. Absolutely. Um, vitamin D, zinc, uh, fish oil, all these things are going to help your health, your metabolism, and your hormone levels. Um, eating a diet that's very minimally processed and full of like whole food nutrients. Um, I would split your fats up pretty evenly, probably a little bit extra. Like if you want to get lean and do this, I would probably lean on a little bit more monounsaturated fat, but still having some saturated fats in your diet from like coconut oil, eggs, steak. Mm-hmm grass-fed beef, stuff like that. Um, so having a good balance of food, strength training enough, but not too much to where you're just burning yourself out. So again, having a smart program. Um, but like the biggest thing is like, honestly, like all those little things add up. But the biggest thing is going to be sleep, getting enough sleep. And then this sounds funny and it's easier said than done, but be a positive fucking person. Like, I think that goes far underrated. So many people are just so stressed out and they're so reactive and they can't just slow down and just think and, and meditate and yeah. journal and go on a walk and, and, and put your shit away for a little bit and just chill. Like, um, I think that's honestly why I'm almost addicted to waking up really early is because nobody's awake and I leave my phone upstairs. I can go downstairs and I can read a book and drink some coffee and journal. And it gives me an hour to just, just chill. You know what I mean? And I think that's a really underrated thing, um, that helps stress management quite a bit. Um, and then the last thing I would say, just, just to throw out there with training, I said, I think people are addicted to high intensity and they think low intensity is ineffective because you're not sweating like crazy, but you should be able to like kind of undulate these intensities, go like moderate intensity with your strength training, go high intensity with cardio and then have like a low intensity day and then cycle that. Right. Or like train high intensity yoga, like have some kind of flow to where you're not just going hard all the fucking time. Cause I've done that too. And it just burns you out. Um, but I think putting those things together, man, is like is the biggest thing and, and just having a good diet. If you're a high-stress individual, you need carbs in your diet. So like having nutrient timing, not being in a deficit. Um, but the hard part with this is I just named off like eight things. It's it's hard to manage all those things. Yeah. And to me, that's why like having a coach is very powerful because we can say like, hey, here's like here's the things that you individually need to focus on and stay consistent with. And here's like the eight things we're going to work on on a weekly basis that I'm going to help, help you stay accountable of. Yeah. And then you don't have to like do research and think about what the best brands are and what to take and when to take it and all this shit. Like, um, but yeah, and I, I think, man, like stress is individual, but it's, it's, it's everywhere. So you just have to learn like the things that manage it the most and just double down on it. Like I think if everybody listening got seven, eight hours of sleep every night, I think everybody would lose fat, build muscle, be less stressed, have better hormones, like instantly. Just that one thing. Um, it's crazy, but it's, it's, it's easier said than done. I haven't done it in years. This is like 2020. I was like, I'm going to sleep fucking more. That's my year to sleep more. And the last thing I will say on this, I promise I'll stop ranting on the sleep. Like, 
I also think there's a lot of like entrepreneurs out there that also have to just suck it up and hustle because 2018, 2019, I couldn't sleep seven and a half hours a night because there was too much shit to be done. I was trying to build this empire. I was trying to create something, you know, now it's like, okay, I can manage my time. I have help from other people. I can get seven hours of sleep a night. Um, and, and, and I do that now, but it took me a while. So there's times in your life where it's like, suck it up. You just got to grind. Um, but if you can do it, cause that's the biggest thing. Before I let you go, I just want to say thanks. I seriously appreciate you spending this last hour or so with me, educating yourself to get better results. It still humbles me to this day that people around the world literally have me in their headphones or their speakers just to learn. It's so empowering and because of that, I have three quick things for you. The first one is a personal favor. Please leave me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. When you do this, not only does it help me learn and get better at making podcasts for you to get better results, but it helps us grow inside of iTunes, which allows us to invest more, again, to get you better results. The second thing, head over to boomboomperformance.com slash sign dash up or click the link in the show notes to get your free copy of the Nutrition Hierarchy. This is everything you need to know about nutrition to change your body composition or performance inside of a manual. I take the leading evidence inside of research and all the principles, methods, and tools based on some of the top professionals in the industry, and I put them all in a book so you can learn more about your nutrition and get better results. The third thing, this is a personal invitation to shoot me a DM on Instagram or email me at cody at boomboomperformance.com. I will help you troubleshoot anything you need. This is literally an invitation to jump in my inbox and ask me anything you want and let me help you. All right, guys, that's all I got for you this time. I appreciate you being here and I'll see you next time.